Hello, my friends. Welcome to Deeper Than Dating, the best place for singles to uplevel their lives and take advantage of their single time. I'm your host, Sarah Mack, breakup and relationship coach, and I'm here to guide you to uplevel and upgrade your single life by building a deeper connection with yourself. I'm on a mission to help millennials take advantage of their single time so they can get over their past, stop settling in life, attract better relationships, and have fun while being single. On Deeper Than Dating, we will explore topics of self-development, psychology of love, relationships, and breakups, mindset, spirituality, and manifestation in order to deepen the relationship with ourselves, which is truly the secret to deeper dating. Whether you find yourself still trying to get over your ex, questioning all your relationship decisions, desiring a more fulfilling single life, or chasing your next relationship, this is the place to be. It doesn't matter where you're at in your journey because the answer will be the same. Dig deeper into your connection with yourself in order to attract a better life and level up. It's not about dating. It's not about the breakup. It's not about your future. It's always deeper. Let's dive in. Okay. Welcome back to Deeper Than Dating. I'm so excited for today because we're talking with a fellow coach, breakup coach, um, and X-Files podcast host, Janice Formicella. We're going to have so much to talk about. Our brands are very aligned with the work that we're doing, and she even has a podcast all about breakups and recovering from breakups. So today we're diving into making the most of your breakups, overcoming loneliness, and coming home to yourself so that you can make your alone time your superpower, which I am obsessed with. If you know me, you know I'm obsessed with this. So welcome, Janice. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Sarah. I'm also looking forward to this. And when I listened to your podcast, it really did feel like I was, you know, listening to a real, real soul sister. (laughs) Yes, yes. Okay, so I want our listeners to know more about you and what brought you into the work that you're doing and your just your story. Yeah, sure. It's a long and windy road of a story, but I'll tell some of the basics. I first got the idea to be a breakup coach when I got divorced about 12 years ago. And Mm -hmm. that was really what planted the seed, partially because by that time I had had developed a a belief in the power of coaching as, as a model. And when I got divorced, I looked around and was trying to get support and resources for coping with what I was experiencing. And there just wasn't really anything at the time that was specific to breakups. Now, obviously that has changed, which is wonderful. I am really glad to see so many people you know, setting up breakups as their, as their niche, but it, there was nothing then. And so I just kind of thought I'm going to come back to this eventually. And I struggled with my breakup and then I did really well. And then I got into a very unhealthy, very abusive relationship about two years later. Mm -hmm. And It was partially because after doing so well with my divorce, I definitely had this identity crisis. I did not know 
at all who I was, what I was about. I I never really firmed up in my mind what my future was going to look like. Mm-hmm. So when I, and I kind of just really wanted to be in a relationship, my identity had been really tied to being in what others perceived to be this great relationship between, you know, two hippies, you know, (laughs) and I, when I lost that, I just didn't know. Um, I never, I never gained it back. I never really gained hope about the future that would involve just me. Mm -hmm. So the relationship, like I said, was very abusive and um, phys- physically abusive as well. And then when I left that relationship, I really, really hit like major rock bottom. Mm-hmm. And again, didn't know who I was. I had just like no real passion for really anything. And I really had a hard time pulling myself out of it. And again, I thought about breakup coaching because the people around me, when I finally left for the last time, <laughs> they were not very supportive. Mm. And that's because when you stay in the cycle of abuse with someone and going back and forth and back and forth, you know, people get a bit exhausted with the situation and trying to be there for you every time only to see you go back. And <laughs> so I just, there was nobody who really even wanted to hear about it. It was just like, move on, get over it we're done. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I thought again, it would be really cool to have, you know, objective outside support to just help me just with the breakup. I tried therapy and I'm a big fan of therapy, but I just, I really just wanted to feel better then. I didn't want to go all into my past and my background. And I found that really draining. What really helped me though, finally get out of this cycle was, as I think, you know, I ended up going to Australia and staying for five years. And once I got to Australia, I all of a sudden was, I got a little bit of, I guess, self-determination for the first time since I had left the, the relationship. Mm-hmm. However, I, I think I chalked it all up to the fact that I met a lot of people right away who didn't know my story and my background. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I started doing all of these healing practices and um, started doing five rhythms dancing, which was a really big part of of my healing. And because I felt better and felt relief, I decided I wanted to try and get residency in Australia. Mm -hmm. And that's actually where things kind of started going wrong once again (laughs) in in my life. (laughs) Um, Basically, long story short, I tried, like I said, for almost five years to get it. Um, It didn't work out, didn't work out, didn't work out. And what led me to where I am today doing breakup coaching and living my best life was I applied for a visa that was meant to be like, you know, the dream come true and solve all my problems because I thought everything else was going to solve my problems. I didn't think I was going to do it. It was always going to be, you know, outward, outwardly finding, finding solutions. And so I apply for the visa and you are not able to stay in the country while you wait. Um, It's a very draining, self-defeating process that I really don't recommend people (laughs) even get started on. Good to know. Because yeah, I mean, it cost me every dime of my savings that I ever had. I I 
just continually was putting towards towards the visas. I was never able to hold a steady job because of, you know, having to transition depending on what visa I was up for. It was very exhausting. And like I said, defeating too, because just when you think you're making progress, you get the carpet, you like just ripped out from underneath you. And so, and which is Uh. definitely what happened. I decided to go to Bali and this is where things, you know, finally shifted for me in my life for the very first time since my divorce. And by this time, you know, I'd been divorced for seven, eight years and had never become self-reliant. I just didn't, I didn't even want that. Uh, I was raised in a really religious home and I never... Even I never really saw myself even providing for myself. I just, I don't know. It, that didn't light me up at all. But what what happened was I, I went there to Bali and I didn't know how long I was going to be there. And that's another thing. Like they they don't give you any answers. Yeah. They, were, they told me, you know, we might let you know in two weeks you've been approved. We've seen it take up to six months. So, you know, good luck in the meantime. And you can't it's, be in the country that whole time. Right. Right. That's so frustrating. Mm-hmm. So not only have you spent all of your resources getting the visa, now you have to just kind of live in limbo for mm-hmm. however long, mm-hmm. you know, not mm-hmm. to mention it was a work visa. That was my job. So it it was just really a bad, bad situation and really, um, yeah, really frustrating. And you just really didn't feel like anybody was like cared about your well-being, you know. Mm-hmm. So. I ended up staying there for four months. And what finally shifted things for me was when I was had been in Australia, I had really compulsively socialized because I, I don't know if maybe it helped me not to have to think about the consequences of all of my, all of my actions and the non-direction that my life was taking me. But I, I really never spent time alone. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was just every single night, something. And I also had a flatmate who was very extroverted. So if I happened to not have plans, you know, we would hang out. And now I'm alone on this island. I didn't know anybody. And, you know, for the first time in quite a few years, you know, faced with just the unpredictability of, just time alone, you know, Mm -hmm. just, I, Mm -hmm. and it was absolutely terrifying. And we're talking the first night I drank, I self-medicated. I woke up on the bathroom floor to be quite honest, because I, you know, cried myself to sleep and drank. And I was just, that's how scared I was to, to be alone. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us what that realization was Mm -hmm. when you finally came to realize, wow, I am alone, which Mm -hmm. is, can be like you said, so scary. Now what, what was going through your head? Well, I, I, I mean, I was just filled with fear every single day for sure. And the weekends, particularly, I would start dreading the weekend, you know, on Wednesday and just a Mm. lot of anxiety, um, a lot, uh, I would say a lot of self-medicating for the first couple of months. And also 
I would still look to the people in my community to provide me comfort. And I was, I would like text with my friends all day long. I would call my friends on the weekends crying. Mm -hmm. You know, I would have four hour long conversations with whoever would give me the time. Mm -hmm. And, and so I started, you know, just went on this cycle and Mm -hmm. it lasted about two months. And then there was just, I, you know, one day I just realized that there's no end in sight and something in me kind of snapped or shifted. And I just realized that I couldn't keep living like this. I also realized that I was in a beautiful place and just totally missing out on it, not even appreciating the opportunity to be Mm -hmm. in Bali, you know, Mm -hmm. it was difficult. I didn't have a lot of money. So, you know, I would meet travelers and not really be able to do too, too much, but you know, it's, it's one of the most inexpensive places on the earth to travel. And I was just, I was missing out on it. And I just decided I've got to figure this out. And so I developed practices and little tools and trip tricks and techniques and, um, a lot of the things that I still, that I use in my coaching today. Yeah. And, and not only did it change my experience, I, I became a happier person and mm-hmm. I realized for the very first time in my life, how capable I was of showing up for myself. And also for the very first time in my life ever, and I'm like well into my thirties at this point, I realized that I had inner strength that I had never tapped into for a second. Mm. Oh my gosh. This is so good because I have clients that say similar things of they, if they don't have someone to hang out with on the weekend, then the anxiety creeps in and in my mind, I'm thinking, God, I love my alone time. Like I, I get so excited to do all the things that I love on the weekend. I have all the time to myself, but that takes so much work to get to that point. Yeah. So there's so much we can dive into. And I, (laughs) I I want (laughs) to, I want to know what was, did you have a breaking point where you were like, or was it kind of gradual over time where you had this shift in realization that you had to change? Well, it started, things were getting worse for me yeah. over there. When I got to about the se- the second month, like the end of the second month, I was, uh, I was a mess. I would say I was very immature about the whole thing. And I, I mean, my instances of, for instance, calling people up and crying over the phone, I was doing that more often. Mm-hmm. And you know, I felt it could have been starting to get draining on people around me. But also, like I said, because there was no end in sight, I, it, yeah, for, I it definitely got worse before, before it got better. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So you have this, so you're self-aware enough to have this realization that something has to change yes. and you're going down a path that probably pushing people away. It's not a good, healthy life. You're in Bali. You want to enjoy it, but you're not. I know that feeling too of being somewhere that you should be enjoying, but you feel miserable inside. So tell us how you shifted and what you did to really get to where you're at. Sure. I, I, there was, there was, I think, 
kind of an aha moment. And that was leading up to one of one of the weekends and feeling so sorry for myself that I didn't have plans Mm -hmm. and wishing I could go out to eat, which I've always loved to do. And I made a plan one day that once Friday hit that week, I was going to get dressed up and go out to eat on my own to one of the restaurants that I had been avoiding going to because I didn't have anyone to go with. And that's exactly what I did. And I planned it ahead so that I had something to look forward to on the weekend instead of dreading it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I made a point of posting about it on, on social media, which made it more fun for me. And I think in a way, kind of helped me to connect with with others while doing it. And I have to say, it just pretty rapidly turned things around for me. I really did look forward to it all week long. And so I started doing it each week. I would make a plan for myself. It wasn't always going out, but often it was. Sometimes I I stayed in and created little theme nights for myself, but Mm -hmm. I always had a plan. And I also realized that I enjoyed it. And the more I did it, the more I enjoyed it. My confidence, you know, shot through the roof. I started thinking about my future a, a, a lot more than I had. And I started respecting myself more than I had. And I was proud of beating the whole thing. And I, yeah, I really did notice that my, my confidence increased. Mm-hmm. And so it, it ended up being so successful that I was able to tap into the power and the magic of alone time again, about a year later. And this was when I was back in Australia and I hit rock bottom for the second time in my life after getting approved for the visa finally and by the way it ended up taking four months okay yeah and then one day i just got an email and they said i could come back (laughs) i know So you were in bali for four months yep okay and mm -hmm, yeah all alone (laughs) it was it was crazy i have to say and so i get back to australia and i've gotten approved for the work visa right supposed Mm -hmm. to be the answer to all my problems it was a disaster of epic proportions. We're talking a very, very toxic and abusive workplace. I was absolutely miserable. I had to deal with very intense workplace bullying. Mm -hmm. I had the visa held over my head almost every day. I was forced to do work that I had not been hired to do that I did not like. I, at any time that I tried to stand up for myself, I was told if I didn't do it, I was going to lose my visa and I'd have oh, to wow. le- leave Australia again. And oh, I cannot even describe how unhappy I I was. It was and also scary. I mean, these it was just a, a very, very toxic situation. And the whole thing ended up just completely blowing up in my face. That's actually probably a topic for another episode, all the details of how it how it went down. But I don't even know if it was six months and I and I lost the visa. I lost everything that I had work, been working for for you know years, not to mention what I had gone through in Bali to to get there. 
and I was extremely miserable and I, you know, I didn't have anything in my life, not a, hardly a dollar to my name and no, no, no future. You know, and like I said, I'm well into my thirties at this point with really nothing to show for it. Mm-hmm. And this is really when I decided once and for all, this is got to stop. You know, you are seriously just moving from one life crisis to another Mm -hmm. constantly. It was chaos for years and years and years. And I had never even had my own apartment. And I, I decided I can't, you know, definitely can't live like this anymore. And I decided to completely give up on the dream of residency and figure my shit out. And that's when I decided I was going to self-select to spend time alone. And I was going to, I got a house sit and I was not going to socialize until I, until I did, until I figured it out. And it was very transformative and really directly led me to where, where I am today, which is fully self-reliant, extremely confident, have a business that I love mm-hmm. and a life I'm very, very proud of. But it had to come after, you know, learning these really hard lessons. <laughs> but I attribute my learning about spending time alone to my current success. Absolutely. It's like you probably won't find a breakup coach or a love coach that hasn't gone through shit like this because we have to. It's part of our our bigger picture purpose. Mm-hmm. And it got you to where you are today. So did you have to go back to the U.S. after, right after, immediately after that? Like, where did you, you said you house sat? What was mm-hmm. your process after that of continuing to build that relationship with yourself? Yeah. So once I lost the visa, I did end up getting a, a, another job. So I transferred the visa to, to another job. And then it was kind of weird because I, I think within a few months of getting the job, the company decided that they were going to fold. And I remember sitting, I, I know it was your new job, out. the new job. <laughs> yes. they were gonna, okay. It was yeah, not, it, meant just, to be. it was not happening. And I remember you tried, you tried at least. <laughs> yeah, totally. I gave it a good shot. And I remember sitting there in the meeting, in the conference room when they were telling me this. And I just felt the message clear as day we're done. I'm, I'm going to go back to America. And I, and I had already started to spend some um, more alone time at this, at this point. And I realized that I could do it. The, one of the reasons I had not thought about going back to, to America during this whole time was because I just simply didn't think I was capable of managing my own life and doing it on on my own you know I don't have family who I can use as backup I didn't really have a strong support network at that time partially you know due to my own poor (laughs) poor choices and I just could not picture saving money getting a job just the basics of being an adult Mm -hmm. I could not fathom that I was capable of that and I learned through my experience with Bali and then through this self-selected alone time that I was capable of a lot more than I ever thought I was. And I just decided I'm going to save money and I'm going to go back and I'm going to start over for the last time. Yeah. And then I got back here three years ago. Okay. So it's been three years, which isn't that long. No. Right before COVID. Yep. 
Yep, it was. And I have to say, I had a lot of alone time, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I had just gotten back. I think I was about six months in. And for the first six months, because of the trauma and the disappointment of everything that had happened in Australia, I really, despite being the biggest extrovert, I just really wasn't into meeting people. I was just kind of like, I, you know, I'm done with friends for, for a little yeah. bit. And, and also, I had a lot of work to do to build up, you know, a life from basically scratch. And yeah. I just focused on, on getting stable, you know, building up an apartment, saving, saving more money, getting work and just wasn't interested in socializing. And then I think it was the week of the actual lockdown that I had just started to get invited to do things and actually wanting to do things. Mm. And yeah, then it just, of course you know, that didn't happen, but I, I rocked uh, COVID, you know, I was fine. You know, I'm very self self-reliant and I, I did quite well. I have so many questions because <laughs> we, you said you got divorced and then you were in another relationship. Yep. Did you do any healing between those relationships or what were like, what were you doing to, to get ready for that re- next relationship? And then did you ever heal from, from both of those? Well, in between my divorce and the next relationship, I was completely lost. I, mm-hmm totally, totally floundered. I really impulsively just left the life that I had. I was living in New York city at the time and had a really good thing going for me, but I, you know, it's hard to think what I was going through that made me do this, but I just like up and left and went and like lived in California because I just wanted to be in warmer weather. And I just, I I was just completely floundering. Like I, like I said, I didn't even think about my future. I, I don't know. I don't, it, it wasn't a really good, good situation for just sure. Kind of like and there you were just being yeah, <laughs> just wandering, just wandering around completely. Yeah. And I guess I just always had this thought or this idea in the back of my mind that either I would meet someone or s- someone else would give me an opportunity to, I don't even know what. And so I, I was in a place where I, um, I just wanted to be in a relationship. Mm -hmm. And so I wouldn't say that I really did the work that I would consider necessary during your single time to Mm -hmm. be ready for the next, for the next relationship. And, you know, quite frankly, that could have been why I wasn't more willing to, to walk away from, from it is because I just, I just wanted it, wanted it so bad. And that's one reason why I'm so passionate about being single and about taking advantage of your single time, because if you enjoy it and you love it, if you see red flags or you aren't happy in a relationship, you'll be able to walk away so much easier. And I didn't feel I could do that at at the time and nor did I want to. And that's so relatable and going Mm -hmm. to hit home with a lot of people because so many people just want to be in a relationship. They don't want to be alone. They don't have the mm-hmm. tools to even, they don't want to look inside themselves. They don't want to be sit with their thoughts. So maybe they are going through a breakup or they're scared to leave a relationship that they know deep down isn't for them, but they're just too scared to be on their own. What would you tell that person or the younger version of yourself 
to do or suggest that they could do to start building that strength that you found through your journey? Yeah, I would definitely tell my younger self, I guess, two things in in regards to your question. The first is I got into a cycle that I've only recently quit or broken of moving very quickly in, in relationships. And that definitely happened in, in the abusive relationship. I ended up moving to Germany to be with him within mm-hmm. like a few months. Mm-hmm. And I've really learned that it is just so much better for me. And I think people in general to take your time when you're getting to know someone, there's Mm -hmm. actually no rush. If you are enjoying things, then that's even more of a reason to, to take things slow. And it, this desire of mine in this ability that so many men had to just sweep me off my feet and my excitement about people doing so it it led me to a lot of heartbreak it led me into a lot of destructive situations it led me to make decisions that really didn't serve my you know higher higher good and mm-hmm. i would really tell my younger self to to slow down You know, Mm -hmm. it's okay to let someone prove themselves to you before Mm -hmm. you throw your life away to, to be with them. And I would also definitely tell my, my younger self that I'm capable of being self-reliant. I was married super young, super Mm -hmm. young. And I never really had like even a body memory of just you know, working, like paying my own rent, doing my own bills, living alone. And I would definitely tell my younger self that you're capable of it. And it's actually pretty cool. I'm sure that, you know, I I often say that I'm making my 16 year old self really proud right now with Mm -hmm. the life, with the life I I had. And I wouldn't, the thing is, I wouldn't really say that some, I'm glad that for the lessons I've learned, I wouldn't really say that I'm thankful for everything that I yeah. that I went through. I, you know, I I faced a lot of a lot of heartbreak, a lot of pain, a lot of dangerous situations that I I, I wish I could I didn't have memories of of having. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would I would tell them that. And I would tell anyone who's going through it right now, I that I know that I'm making it sound like it's easy. But I promise you, if you can learn to be your best company, if you can learn to be your best friend, if you can learn to look forward to spending time on your own, your confidence is going to shoot through the roof. And if companionship is something that you authentically desire, you will attract higher quality people if you have the, the confidence to be to be on your own. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the main reasons why I'm so passionate about it is because I saw so many shifts in the people who were attracted to me when I wasn't confident on my own. And since I have been, and it's just com- complete 180 in terms of the the quality of people. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I always say that the more work I put into myself while I was single the better my relationships got. It was like I would write down on paper what I wanted in my next partner, what I wasn't getting in my last relationship, and then it would show up. And it's unreal. 
A thousand percent. And it's also, it's, it's, it becomes easier to meet people as well. Mm -hmm. I do now socialize quite a bit. I go out a lot. I go out on my own a lot and I have people approach me Mm -hmm. because I'm, you know, I'm, people can tell that I'm, I'm confident and it's because I'm okay on my own. I know that that's why. Absolutely. It's so attractive. There's nothing more attractive than someone just being okay in their own company, not only okay, but enjoying and having fun. And then life becomes fun Mm -hmm. and you get to kind of play in life. You get to play in the dating game because there's not this, this desperation or pressure to be with someone because you know, you have yourself. Yep. And it takes work. It takes work to get there. But once you get there for me, once I got here, I've stayed here. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's once you see it. Yes. Mm-hmm. You get a yeah. glimpse of I mean, it. Yeah. You, I mean, having always having something to look forward to is a great place to be in, in life. Mm-hmm. And f- I want to also mention that when I was going through this cycle of chaos for like about 10 years, I also struggled with depression a lot, a lot. Mm-hmm. And I I have to say it has shown up in my life here, here and there since then, but nothing near where, where it used to be. I'm, you know, actually one of the happiest people I I know, to be honest. Mm. Yeah. And just that you have that awareness because I very similar, I, I have the awareness of when I'm going, when I have a low day where my mood is low and I know not to take it as seriously because I know how to get myself out of it now. Yep. And even anxiety too, just having the tools to deal with that and to not to have the mental capacity to know that it will pass and you're not stuck like that forever. Because I think yes. if you are experiencing anxiety or de- depression, it it feels like it's never going to go away. Once you do practice the tools, like, I mean, what do you, what do you use personally? Yeah, I will say I, it goes back again to the self-reliance factor. When I got back to the States, I was, you know, generally loving life. I had gotten to a really good place when I was in Australia because of choosing to figure things out and choosing to spend time, time alone. And so things were going well, things were going well. And then I noticed on my birthday and Christmas, those are my triggers. And I had the birthday blues pretty bad the first couple of years. Christmas sent me into a few weeks of some pretty bad depression. And I think the second, either the second Christmas or second birthday, one of those, I I said, you have the ability to, to figure this out like you've done the past few years. So we got to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And so I decided that for the next Christmas, which was this past December, I would travel somewhere on my own, of course. And I just figured, look, you love to travel. You're a big advocate of the power of change of scenery. So let's try this out, mm-hmm. which is what I did. I stayed in a resort in Tombstone, Arizona, and loved it. It was Fun. the solution. It was yeah. the it was the trick. I didn't struggle with a, a day of sadness. In fact, it was the best Christmas I've had. Yeah. I don't, maybe ever, maybe ever. Yeah. And so then for my birthday, which was in May, I went back to the same place. 
Cause I, I said, well, that's the solution. I'm not going to mess with it. I'm just going back to tombstone. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> and so, yep. A little bit of experimenting, but also remembering that I had it in me to, to solve this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you elaborate more on the, the power of changing your environment? Because I mm-hmm. move all the time because I get a high from it. Um, <laughs> okay. So I love that you are similar and that you've, you've moved, you've been abroad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, yeah. And this is something that I work with my clients on a, a bit after a breakup. And that is because you need to create new body memories after a breakup. And that, that helps you a lot. You know, you need to have new associations with, with your, with your space and with your environment. And so get getting either out of the house or maybe redecorating your house or going on a, on a trip will help you to create new body memories that don't involve your ex Mm -hmm. and that just involve you doing something for yourself. And so I think that, yes, it can be extremely powerful. And, you know, I had, associations with lonely Christmases where I got depressed after and drank too much with my, with my apartment. And so I knew, you know, I could, it could potentially be a little bit of a a circuit breaker to get out of the house just when I know that I have a trigger coming up. So, Mm -hmm. and if maybe travel isn't accessible to you, I can, I say, Maybe find, you know, like a restaurant that you can go to a couple times a week so that you're still at least get, getting out of, of the house and having something to look, to look forward to, or even redecorating can be, um, yeah, be really effective. It's amazing. The smallest changes that you can make of how good it is for our brains, because our brains can just easily go on autopilot when we see the same thing every day. So when I'm living in the city, I intentionally will walk down a different street, walk down a different path, and then really notice the houses, really notice, you know, things that I've never seen before. And it's, and it's a dopamine hit. It's like, Mm -hmm you get this feeling that there are other things out there that can contribute to your change. And especially if you're going through a breakup, it's so easy to get stuck in that, the past and not seeing how much beauty there is on the other side. That is very true. And this is also why I'm also a really big advocate of really powerful morning routines, a new morning routine after a breakup for pretty much the same reason. You're creating a new environment every day for yourself rather than staying in the cycle of waking up, doing the same thing that maybe you did when you were with with your partner, thinking about your partner as soon as, you know, thinking about your ex as soon as you get up. And so switching up your morning can be a switch switch of environment and it gets you you know, treating yourself, showing up for yourself as soon as you wake up in in the morning, which is another reason why I think it's so important to go on the solo trips, take yourself out for dinner, redecorate, you know, take yourself and get it. You know, I like to talk about the breakup trophies because you're creating new memories of you supporting you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love redecorating. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I'm a big, big decorator, as you can see from from my wall. And I mean, also when it comes to redecorating, you're moving your body, which is very beneficial and you're distracting yourself with a healthy distraction, which Mm -hmm. is another reason why I think the walks after a breakup are so, are so good because it's a a healthy distraction. 
Mm-hmm. And having something like a project that you can finish yep. or accomplish is also a, a boost. Um, what, so let's say, okay, we've built this relationship with ourselves and we start to love our alone time. How can we navigate the dating world if we do want to attract better relationships that aren't just like our ex? Well, I guess two things. I, I know I keep going back to this, but enjoy being single, enjoy spending time alone, go places alone. And that is because the sexiest quality is confidence Mm -hmm. and you will attract better people. The more, the more confident you are, I am Mm -hmm. positive and you will be able to, like I said, walk away if it doesn't really excite you. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, I will say the slower that you can go in a new relationship, I really do think, think the better. And that includes spending time alone in between seeing this person because I look for me, I get so wrapped up in the feel goods that I'm not even thinking about the compatibility that I may or may not have with a person or the practicalities of being with this person. All I'm thinking about is how good it feels to, to be around them and wanting to see them again. Mm -hmm. I've gone through it recently. And so if you can slow things down, spread out the dates, spread out the texting, it gives you more of a chance to think critically and objectively about a future with this, with this person. It's Mm -hmm. really, really important. So those two things combined. Yes. Yes. Take take your time, take the pauses because there's so much dopamine when we're dating and we actually like someone. So have a day to yourself to really reflect and journal on what's coming up, the feelings that are coming up. So you don't, this is why so many people tend to overlook red flags because if it feels Mm -hmm. so good because we're having all this attention again, And I mean, um, throw some sex into the mix and, you know, forget about it. I think that there's a really big difference between chemistry and compatibility and you Mm -hmm. need an overlap of both in a, in a relationship and the feel goods and which includes not being able to stop talking with the person and that's chemistry and you need, you know, you also need the compatibility. And I would suggest before you start dating again, to make sure that you've got your list down of mm-hmm. what you're looking for and what your boundaries are. I have my clients do that. I have done it. I've revised mine recently. Mm-hmm. And you need to have a clear idea of about what you want and, and what you don't want. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. What are your deal breakers? What are yeah. your absolute this don't cross this line? Cause you mm-hmm. need, because you need, and I always, I tell my clients, put it on your wall. If you have to just put it where you can see it. Yeah. So and be willing to execute as well. And being mm-hmm. willing to execute your boundaries comes with partially not moving too fast before you're in over your head and feel like you can't break away from, from the person. Absolutely. And it's, it's something I also had to do recently is, mm-hmm. is, you know, consider the fact that I didn't feel like my boundaries were being respected and, and it was a lot, yeah, a lot easier to, to walk away. Cause mm-hmm. I knew I was going to be okay. I mean, I don't need a relationship. That's just, yeah. that's, that's me, but it's not something I'm just not one of those people who feels that's even something that will, I wouldn't say I don't want it, but I don't feel like it's going to complete my life in any way. No. So it's a, it's a lot easier for me to think objectively. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. So as we wrap up, I have a couple fun no. questions. <laughs> I know. I feel like we could, we could really <laughs> talk forever. We'll ha- I'll have you back on. Don't worry. Well, I'm going to uh, have you on X-Files yes. to talk about regaining in, um, your identity after a breakup. Yes. Okay. I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> what is the best date you've ever been on or maybe the worst date you've ever been on or both? Yeah. So, oh man. So I've been pretty lucky to have some really cool men take me out. So I have, I get asked this kind of a lot and I always always have like a handful that I want to mention, but I will, I'll put this one out there. So when I was in Australia, I had someone in my five rhythms community take a liking to me mm-hmm. and he sent me a message one day uh, asking me out and because you know obviously he knew I was American he thought it would be really cool to take take me out into the bush at night to find some kangaroos and so he made <laughs> he made homemade um hot cacao put it in a in a thermos and we went out into the bush after dark and saw kangaroos running around and then sat and had some hot chocolate together or some hot cacao together and and drove back and I thought it was a blast I had never done anything like that before and also we did end up seeing so many kangaroos we got so close to one that I was actually scared are they dangerous I don't know. (laughs) He was a bit of a mountain man. And definitely I felt safe with him. Mm -hmm. And he he definitely seemed seemed to know what what he was doing. I think, though, that they might have night blindness Mm -hmm. because it did not seem to notice us at all. It kind of looked right at us, like almost through us. So that was really neat. And what was good about that was that it was creative. And Mm -hmm. so I, I appreciated that for sure and you know that. we definitely had had great conversations um and everything um uh, we act- ended up dating for a while actually so that was i think one of my top ones one of my top ones i've got i've got a few and i i've been really lucky also <laughs> in that i haven't had the real nightmare first dates or horror stories i will say i went on a date recently within the last couple of months and it was with someone I had met in person when I was out and about (laughs) and I was really looking forward to go out with him going out with him he seemed like a really great guy and so we were going to have go to a wine bar and then have Italian food for dinner and you know what everyone listening I understand having a drink to take the edge off I would be lying to say that I never did it. Okay. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. I get. And I could tell he was, he was nervous. He starts pounding that shit. Like, God, he must've had four glasses of wine. And I had two. And then we went across the street to the Italian place and he just gets so handsy and wouldn't uh, stop. Yeah. yeah. And we're talking hand up the skirt. Mm-hmm. I am saying, no, I am moving his hand. And yeah. finally I just said, I'm going to walk you to your car. Yeah. 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 So good for you, you know, not really a nightmare, but not a good experience. Yeah. Not great. And really disappointing. <laughs> really disappointing. And he, yeah. he actually texted me the next day. Like, he, I, I don't know if you were there, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, thanks. But no, thanks. Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. Okay. What is 
one piece of advice that you would give your younger self about love, relationships, or dating? I would still say the most important thing I would tell my younger self is is to go slow. And that someone trying to advance things quickly is not necessarily romantic. It's not necessarily a good sign. After I left my abuser, I really did a, a lot of study about people who engage in you know, domestic domestic violence. And it's actually one of the surest signs of someone who might end up being abusive is that they try and advance things really fast. Mm. And it is okay to let, so, you know, to let someone prove themselves to you. And yes. it's, um, you'll end up a lot happier if you, if you go slow. Mm-hmm. What is something on your bucket list that you would like to do within the next year? This one's pretty easy, actually. I have never been to Mexico, despite growing up in Arizona. Uh, Frida Kahlo is my favorite artist. I'm looking at one of her paintings uh, just across uh, the room here. And so in the next year, I do plan to go to Mexico for the very first time. I'd also like to do a group program for single women called Sex and the Single Lady. (laughs) Yes, very needed. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So are you thinking Mexico City then? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm dying, dying to go to Mexico City. I usually go with to the beaches with my family, but. Well, I'll get tips from you. I know I'm going to love it. I know that I am. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being here. Can you let us, let our listeners know how they can find you and connect with you? Yes. First of all, I would love people to come and check out X-Files. I'm 124 episodes in and it is designed to be a resource for people who are struggling with a breakup Mm -hmm. and or wanting to date again. So it's a a podcast about breakups, broken hearts, and moving on. You can find me wherever you listen to podcasts. And that is X-Files with a PH. Mm-hmm. And I would also love you to come and hang out with me on Instagram. That's that's where I'm chilling most of the time. So it's Janice Formichella, all one word. And there's an X-Files account as well. If you come over to Instagram and DM me and tell me that you heard about me on Sarah's show, I will send you some X-Files stickers. And Ooh. I can ship them anywhere in the world. So please come over and say hi. Amazing. And I'll, I will put your information in the show notes. So it's all there spelled correctly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I'm excited to be on X-Files. So look out for that. And thank you so much again for being here. I want to have you on again. (laughs) I would love that. This was, this was a blast. Thank you. And thank you for the important work that you're doing. Yes, of course. Okay. Thank you everyone for listening and until next week. Bye. Bye.